Welcome, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Bellies, Babies, and Beyond podcast. I am your host and parenting coach, Debbie Fazio, and I'm so excited to bring to you a podcast that discusses all topics from pregnancy and childbirth right through into parenting. Over my almost two decades working with new and expecting families and raising my own children who are now in their 20s, I have met some incredible experts, and I'm excited to share them all with you because we all know it takes a village. Hi everyone, thanks for joining today. I'm so excited to introduce my guest, Caitlin, today. Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, I'm excited to be here. Caitlin is the breastfeeding guru. She's an international board certified lactation consultant. Uh, Definitely someone we refer all of our clients to. So thank you so much for hopping on. Um, We've got a couple of hot topics that we're going to talk about in a few of our podcasts. So for all of our listeners, let's start off by just sharing a little bit about you and what you do. And then we're going to get into some uh, specific questions that we can help our listeners and viewers. All right. Awesome. Well, I'm happy that you call me the breastfeeding guru because who I trained under, I used to call her the breastfeeding guru. So it's a, it's a good compliment to have. Um, so my name is Caitlin Black Allen. I'm an IBCLC. So that's an international board certified lactation consultant. And I wasn't always an IBCLC. I was a primary school teacher before that. And with the birth of my first baby, I got really interested in women's health and wanted to support women either prenatally or postnatally. And then looked at a whole bunch of different career options and landed here on lactation consulting. And I haven't looked back. I went back to school and retrained and left teaching behind me. And I've been able to support women in the hospital setting and private setting in their house. And then I've had the opportunity of doing a lot of teaching as well. So I teach for perinatal support workers program and a lot of other little online teaching platforms as well. So it's been really fun to have a good wide range of experiences. Good. I'm so glad. Now I want to talk a little bit about your education because I think this is where parents will really um, be surprised because I think a lot of us especially in the past, whenever we have a question or a concern with our little ones, we always run to our doctor, but our doctors usually know a little bit about everything. And I really want to empower parents and say, you know what, tools can be physical in your little parenting toolbox, but they can also be resources and people like you. You do a lot of training specifically on perinatal and breastfeeding. So how many years did you have to train for this? It took about two and a half, I think it probably would have taken longer if I hadn't had a whole bunch of prerequisite courses from university. So I had some good courses under my belt, like anatomy and physiology and stuff like that. So it took me only two and a half years, but it was still two and a half years on top of like a university degree. Um, Yeah. So it was two and a half years of like exclusive breastfeeding education and it's a minimum of 500 hours of practical experience and it can't be like your experience so it can't be like well I breastfed three kids which I did um so that counts as you know 3,000 hours of breastfeeding like it was you had to do 500 minimum 500 hours of actually one-on-one helping parents with breastfeeding so that was a good chunk of my education and then 
the exam is an international exam that everybody, it doesn't matter what country you live in, South Africa, Germany, wherever you're writing that exam, you're taking the same exam as everybody else. So it's a pretty intense exam process. Um, and you have to like score quite high to, to pass it. So, yeah. So I guess the difference between doctors and us is that this is our specialty, right? So doctors, like you said, kind of have a wide range of knowledge on many issues related to children. For example, a pediatrician, they have to know about it. ADHD. They have to know about nutrition with children. They have to know about heart murmurs with children. Like they have to have a wide range of, of knowledge base. And then my knowledge base is specifically with infant feeding. So, you know, the doctor, if, if they present a problem, then it's always good to follow up with that specialist, right. And be referred on to that specialist so that you can get that help you need, you know, the same as if your child had a murmur, you might be going to a cardiologist and follow up with a cardiologist here. You'd follow up with me, anything related to infant feeding. I love that. And it's so important for parents to realize that because breastfeeding, I think a lot of us go into it wanting to do it. Um, mm -hmm. And then something along the line maybe changes that it was, it was too difficult or we didn't get the right information. Um, so I tell anyone who is wanting to breastfeed, and this is the hot topic of today is prepping for breastfeeding. Um, right. But I tell anyone that if you're going to breastfeed or plan on breastfeeding, want to try to breastfeed, whatever, however you word it, you need to call Caitlin. You yeah. need a breastfeeding consultant to be with you because yeah. it's not that expensive but it makes a big difference on the success and the longevity of your breastfeeding journey. So um, let's start off with that. How much does it cost to have a visit with you? So it depends, but typically it's around $150 for a visit. And that includes like text support or phone support. So already this morning, I had a little phone call with a client as a follow-up and I've got a few text messages waiting for me right now from clients who I've seen. So we know that breastfeeding evolves and we know that things change. So I go to your visit to the visit at your house. I'm there for a couple of hours, but then afterwards I'm following up with you. And, you know, even if it's three months down the road and you have a question about your baby's poop, yeah. <laughs> I get text messages of baby's poop <laughs> as well. So that support system is there even as your breastfeeding relationship changes. And like you said, it's not a big investment when you think about, you know, if you have low milk supply and how much you're going to be spending on formula um, or, you know, sitting in pain or just having that reassurance that, that you're doing the right thing, that you're feeding your baby correctly uh, and that you're going to enjoy that experience with your baby. I think that's so important, right? That's so right. what's the cost of a dinner out? Right. Yeah. For, for a year of your dinner, a year or more of your little one's dinner in. <laughs> right. That's right. And I liked how you mentioned about preparing for breastfeeding, because I think we're very like fear-based driven to prepare for labor and delivery. We know that, okay, it's going to be painful, or we don't want to have an episiotomy, or we want to avoid a C-section if possible. So there's all this like prep that goes into really like a 24 hour event right? I mean, some women, it's going to be longer, some shorter, but let's say a 24 hour event, right? And then breastfeeding is always put off as well, I'll do it if I can, or I'll see what happens. Whereas like, you know, that's like a relationship that's minimum eight hours a day, every day, for as long as you breastfeed, right? So it's always good to be prepared for that really long lasting relationship, in addition to your preparation for labor. 
Good, good. And it's really minimal. It's not a huge cost, which is so important right. for people to understand too. Um, and what I think is really key here is that when we talk about prepping before you have your baby, it's about being proactive rather than all these problems start. And right. now we need to call you to see how do we fix them. So give us some, some tips, give us a, a snap. Well, actually let's talk about common problems first. Maybe tell me one or two things that you've heard from parents that why they don't reach out to you right to prepare oh. before baby comes to prepare before baby comes before I think baby comes. so during their pregnancy I think the major reason that people don't reach out to me beforehand is that they think that breastfeeding is natural and that it's going to happen easily for them uh that baby will go onto the breast and everything will work out really well and yeah oftentimes that does that is the case, but nowadays, especially nowadays during COVID, we really lack that support system. I have like lots of clients who can't get their mothers or their in-law, their mother-in-laws over here to help them. And they're all alone. You know, they don't have that support system of maybe somebody who is knowledgeable about breastfeeding, who could help them out. And that community is really gone of helping a mother in that postpartum period. Um, so yeah, so I think one, they think it's just going to be natural. And then two, we don't have that support system anymore. We don't have, our, we're not surrounded by our aunties and our grandmas and our mothers and all those women who breastfed, you know, tons of babies there to help us. So yeah. And then like how you mentioned that one problem, you know, becomes many problems. Like if you take, for example, that your baby's not latching initially, which can be common. Not all babies do latch on right away. And then let's say nobody's taught you how to hand express, or nobody's told you that it's important that you start hand expressing within the first two hours of baby being born. Then all of a sudden, now you have a non-latching baby, but your supply is also going to be a bit delayed because you haven't started stimulating your breasts. And then once baby does start to latch, you have a lower supply. And then baby's frustrated at the breast. And so these problems start to like build upon themselves to a point where there's so many problems, you know, you have to almost go back to the basics and, and readdress like the first issue. So, so yeah, so a lot of those problems happen within like the 20, first 24 hours of baby being born. That's right. And I know that you're on my speed dial because I was one of those people that texted you last night late with the client asking some questions. So it really is important that, like you said, bringing back the community. And that's why we're doing these podcasts and these videos is to show people that it takes a village, that it's people like you that really know your stuff that can support and help them. And I think a little piece of it might be that because we think breastfeeding is natural, we should be able to do it. And we should need to reach out to someone because then that means I'm failing at it. And then we carry guilt, right? So again, knowing that it is important that if this is something that you want to do, you need people in your corner to help support that, that yes, it is a natural thing, but you still need the support and knowledge and education on how to do it. Right. That's right. So that's right. Yeah. I I mean, I, I hired a lactation consultant prenatally with my first baby and I'll tell you, it was fear-based driven. I was, like I said, a teacher at school and all these women were, you know, coming in after maternity leave and talking about how, when they breastfed, they had these cracked bleeding nipples and it just sounded horrific to me. So it was, I hired a lactation consultant because I was afraid of cracked bleeding nipples, well, but um, it, it worked, whatever it took, it worked. That's it worked. where you are now. 
Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Maybe we can give everyone um, a few tips. So let's say three tips on what can they do in advance before they have their baby to start to prepare for their breastfeeding journey. Right. So I already mentioned this, but hand expression is usually one of the first things that I will teach mothers prenatally is the importance of hand expression. And that's really just getting used to your own breasts and learning how to express milk from your own breast prenatally. So your breasts are actually capable of producing colostrum from between 16 to 20 weeks gestation. So you do have colostrum in there potentially. Um, and then I usually say that once you've reached that 37th week and you are considered to be at term, then you can start to learn how to hand express. So it might be one day, you know, at the end of the day, you're taking a shower, it's a nice warm shower and you try to hand express in the shower. And I call it your superpower, that hand expression, because as soon as you see your first drop of milk, when you do hand expression, you, it gives you that confidence that, oh my gosh, this system is working. I will be able to breastfeed. I do have milk here. Seeing that drop prenatally is, is so rewarding. Sometimes you might not even see it there, but at the end of the day, when you take off your bra, you notice maybe there's a little bit of crustiness or flakiness in the center of your bra. And that's just a bit of colostrum that leaked during the day. But the other important part about hand expression is when baby's finally there. So prior to latching baby, if you can have the technique of hand expressing a drop of milk to your nipple, then as soon as baby latches on, they're instantly rewarded. And that tells their body to keep going. Hey, there's milk there. I'm going to keep going. This was a great reward. Um, and then, like I mentioned, if you've got that baby, that's not latching initially, then you can hand express to stimulate your breast to tell your brain, Hey, that you need to pick, pick up milk here because you are stimulating your breast. And I think a lot of women don't realize that, 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 that system works that way. The breast gets stimulated. It tells your brain make more milk. And when the breasts don't get stimulated and that milk doesn't get out, then it tells your brain to slow down milk production. So it's such an important tool prenatally. So yeah, that's, that's definitely great. one. That's yeah, right. do you and, have any and I assume that, well, I'm not assume, I know that when you are lactating that um, your endorphins go up as well, which is great to start to have that in advance of your labor and your pregnancy. So you're in a positive state going into it. So that's great. So second tip. Okay. Second tip, I would say getting familiar with skin to skin and the importance of skin to skin and sort of having a plan for how you're going to do skin to skin after babies arrived. So why is skin to skin so important? Uh, because when a baby is kept skin to skin, their stress levels are significantly lower. And because their stress levels are lower, it means their breathing is better. Their heart rate is better. Their temperature actually gets in sync with your temperature. And then their blood sugar levels are better. So many parents might not know this, but a lot of babies are tested for their blood sugar levels in that first 24 hours. So if you have gestational diabetes or your baby was small, for gestational age, large for gestational age, premature. Like there's so many different reasons why your baby's blood sugar would be tested. And they always want three good tests. So keeping baby skin to skin with you as much as possible will help um, avoid those interventions from occurring. 
but then also keeping baby skin to skin will help your milk supply and will help baby feed well. So, you know, kind of setting up, like, how am I going to do skin to skin afterwards? Like I might feel weak after delivering a baby. What can I kind of wrap around baby and I that will keep baby secure with me skin to skin. And then importantly, who's my partner, my, my support system. And it's important that they get, you know, a minimum of an hour of skin to skin with baby as well in that first 24 hours. So, you know, there is little like almost like tube tops that you can buy that you kind of pull over you and the baby kind of goes in that tube top and then you're very secure. So if you find that your arms are weak after delivery, because your whole body kind of just feels tired, right? Um, Then you can, your baby can still stay there skin to skin with you without you having to feel like you need to prop your baby up. And then your baby will be more likely to feed during that time as well. So kind of preparing for that. I know my husband, like he brought a big hoodie and so he put the baby in the hoodie and then zipped up the hoodie and, and had the baby's head like just at the bottom of like the zipper at the bottom of the baby's neck there. And that's how he was able to do skin to skin with the baby. But just, you know, really preparing for that aspect as well. Okay, that's good. So maybe getting some products and items, which we are going to do a podcast on hot breastfeeding products, but maybe getting some props and some things that will help you to be able to do that skin to skin once the baby arrives. That's great. So we've got hand expressing as tip one. Yeah. We've got preparing for what your skin to skin experience is going to look like and getting what you need to have that facilitated. Yeah. Number three. Ooh, okay. Third tip. Um, okay. For successful breastfeeding, I say it would be like to learn, watch videos, lots of videos on latching baby at the breast. So knowing what does a good latch look like and knowing how to achieve a good latch. So there's a little picture that goes around where it's like, it says nipple insert here and there's, you know, a baby's mouth is open. Right. And okay. Sure. That's part of it. The breast has to go into the baby's mouth, but how does it go into the baby's mouth? Right. Knowing that like you could put your nipple into baby's mouth and that baby's not going to latch. Right. Cause the baby's like suck reflexes at the roof of their mouth and about two thirds of the way back. So how do we get to that position and how do we get that baby to open up wide on the, on the breast. Um, and then how do we know once baby's on the breast that we have a good latch, right? So I would like really kind of learn about latching baby and watch some like real life videos of babies latching onto the breast and with that really wide open mouth. So I so think important like, because if they're not doing that properly, that's where all the pain and the discomfort and the cracked and bleeding exactly. nipples and, and even mastitis can come in. So, right. And it, um, and it happens quickly. Like it really only takes like one bad latch for you to have damage on your nipple and then be in pain for days while your nipple slowly heals. And it's really from one bad latch. Like I remember one night I wasn't paying attention to my baby nursing at the breast. Cause I was probably a zombie. And I woke up in the morning with a hickey on my breast. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Because they're just, they're superficial. They're just at the nipple right. and they really need to be on the That's breast, right. which is yeah. important. Yeah. That's amazing. So the tip one is going to be to practice hand expressing. Right. Tip two is to plan out your baby wearing or your right. skin to skin. Yeah. And then tip three was, um, uh, watching videos and educating on proper latching and knowing the baby's on. So that that's awesome. Now, I'm sure you've heard of this old wives tale, and I'd like to get your take on it. Um, prepping for breastfeeding. Should you use a loofah or a scrub on your nipples 
to yeah. start to agitate them so that when baby's sucking on it, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, we, like they'll actually, if you look at old medical textbooks that actually suggest that women do that, like kind of prepare their breasts by rubbing them with, yeah. And we don't do that anymore. That's just painful and totally unnecessary. And you know, breastfeeding shouldn't be painful, right? Like you shouldn't have to prepare your breast for pain because it shouldn't be painful. If any pain at all that might be normal is maybe in the early days, the initial latch on. So maybe like as soon as baby latches onto the breast and I don't even want to say painful, but maybe like, Ooh, okay. There's like a bit of discomfort. I can feel babies on the breast. Okay. going to count to 10. And now I feel better because like for the first time ever, your nipples are being pulled out and vacuumed out. So what's actually causing you that bit of discomfort is that your ligaments are stretching for the first time. So I like to say that they're doing the splits for the first time. And as they're doing, as you're learning to do the splits, you're like, it's not very comfortable to get into the splits, but once I'm there, I'm okay. <laughs> so yeah. So pain that goes throughout the feed, uh, in between feeds or nipples that just look damaged, that's not normal. So we don't, we don't need to prepare for that part. <laughs> we need to prepare for what's normal. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, share with us one thing you wish you knew before you had your kids. Oh my gosh. One thing you wish they would have told you. And it I doesn't have to be breastfeeding related. It can be anything related. Oh my gosh. Okay. I have so much then. Um, <laughs> I guess. Okay. I'll stick to breastfeeding related, but I wish they told me about growth spurts and cluster feeding. So I remember when my baby went through his first growth spurt and he fed, like, it felt like every single hour, like on the hour for an entire 24 hours. And I remember standing in the kitchen, just crying to my husband, like, oh, I can't believe you're still hungry. I can't keep doing this. And he was like, you know, 17 days old. He was pretty young and we had just got into this beautiful pattern. And then he just did this and it was exhausting. And I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for that. So I did call my lactation consultant in tears. <laughs> And she assured me that it was probably a gross burden that tomorrow would be better. And it was, but like, I wish people told me about those times that babies just like feed ferociously and to not doubt that, you know, your brain and your body and your breasts will do what they're supposed to do. And that things will like, you know, it will look clearer the next day. (laughs) Good. But that's important for sure. I think there's so many, like you said, so many things that we wish we knew before, Um, that would have made the world of difference because when something all of a sudden like that happens, if we don't know or expect it right away, we think, oh my gosh, something's wrong with the babies, you know, physically, medically, something's wrong with me. Maybe I don't have enough milk. So it makes us start to question everything. So um, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. So really quickly, before we wrap up, tell everyone where they can find you. If you have a website, email, if you want to share anything, we will have this in the show notes as well, but really quickly, if you want to just share how they can find you. Yeah. So I have a little business called nurture lactation services. So you can find me at www.nurturelactationservices.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook and you can text me, you can email me, you can call me, whatever's easiest for you. And, and you can reach out to me that way to get some help. I'm offering virtual services too, in case you're not in my service area and then, and I've actually achieved quite a lot over virtual. I didn't know, you know, prior to 
the pandemic, yeah, that, you know, we could get like a non-latching baby latching virtually, or that we could, you know, help a baby that's not gaining weight well, gain weight well virtually. So it was pretty cool and eye-opening. So whether you're in my catchment area or not, I can help you out. That's awesome. I think everyone is going virtual, which is so important because it does allow us to get to more people. That's great. Right. And so not if- all have IBCLCs, right? So there's plenty of communities and even plenty of hospitals. You may give birth in a hospital that doesn't even have an IBCLC. So yeah, right. you know, reaching out and being able to contact one is important. Good. Well, thank you so much. If you are thinking about breastfeeding or you're a breastfeeding parent, you need to go get yourself some of Caitlin. She's amazing. <laughs> I have her on my speed dial. So make sure you do the same. Caitlin, thanks so much for joining us today. Can't wait to talk thanks with you again me. very soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. For the most precious moments. Well. <gasps> it's positive. Oh, oh my gosh. Amazing. I can't believe we're that's pregnant. I'm so excited. Oh, oh my goodness. Awesome. So now what? Well, we contact Precious Moments Babies, of course. They have us covered from prenatal care to birth, postnatal support, and sleep counseling. Babies has over 14 years experience and a team of amazing PNSWs, nurses, and doulas. Babies is always available to help you 24-7. Visit B-A-B-E-E-Z dot C-A.